2020 has been this year where we had so much of what we had planned stolen from us. I remember, like, clear back in 2010, all of a sudden, we started hearing all these companies, all these places, the schools, the churches, everyone had their 2020 vision, right? If you worked for a place or you were at a school or a church that had a 2020 vision, I want you right now to just put the raised hand emoji in the chat to let us know that you were one of those places. You know what? Actually, even better yet, if you remember what that 2020 vision was, that, like, in 2010, they said over and over and over again, go ahead and drop it in the chat right now. What was that 2020 vision? Or maybe it wasn't a company or a church you were at that had a 2020 vision. Maybe you just had some plans for this year. You were going to graduate high school. Like you were going to rock your senior year. It was going to be the best year yet. Or you've been busting your butt in college, and you're going to be the first person in your family to get a diploma, and you are going to have a party to celebrate the fact that you have your college diploma, and then you couldn't be with anyone. Or maybe, maybe you're like Steph. Three years ago, when I had my 30th birthday, she told me when she turned 30, I needed to have a huge surprise party for her. How do you make a surprise party for someone when they tell you you need to do it? But I was going to do it. We were determined. Her birthday's in May. In March, we had the place booked. We had a list of people to send invites. We were getting ready to send the invites. I had a team helping me plan this party for it. It was going to be awesome. Come May, we couldn't even get into the place the party was going to be. There was gates across, bolted shut. This year has been way different than what we expected. Actually, pre-pandemic though, we Americans, we were already struggling, especially my generation and younger. 18 to 35 year olds, 18 to 35 year olds, 49% of them, just shy of half, struggle with an unhealthy level of anxiety on an ongoing basis. 39% experience depression, loneliness, and feelings of isolation on an ongoing basis. That was pre COVID. And year over year, for well over a decade, we've been watching in America as suicide rates are going on a steep, climb every year where the numbers keep increasing and COVID did nothing but magnify all of the stuff that was already happening in people's lives. Addiction is up. Domestic violence is up. Suicide rates and depression and anxiety is through the roof from anyone doing research on that. 2020 was this year that we talked about like for a decade we dreamed of when 2020 came it's going to be a year of victory. And for so many people, it's been a year where dreams have crumbled apart. And like never before, the church should be stepping up saying, hey, we have a place to look for joy. But so many people feel like the church has been tone deaf during this season. But I want to show you the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth, said what Jesus' mission was going to be and how he was going to impact our lives and how the church would impact our lives. It comes out of Isaiah 61. It says, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And we live in the season of medication, of hurts, of feeling alone, of depression. Jesus came to give us a garment of praise. And there's this spirit of heaviness on America right now and on the world right now. And Jesus came to give us a garment of praise. But before, before we get there, we need to understand something. Joy 
does not find you. You're not going to just one day wake up and be like, hey, I'm joyful. No, joy does not find you. You have to hunt for it. You have to hunt for joy. Let me say that again. You have to hunt for joy. It will not find you on its own. You may find, have things that find you, that fix, that gives you a momentary happiness, but I can tell you it will not last. But you can choose joy. You can choose joy. Last week, Steph showed us gave us this rundown of the Apostle Paul and his life in a situation. If you were to look at this guy's life, there is no way you'd look at his life in a situation and be like, yeah, this is a joyful guy, right? He, he was beaten. He was flogged. He was shipwrecked. He then spent a night and day in the open sea after being shipwrecked. Once he got to land, he got out. He got on the land. He went to make a fire, and a poisonous snake bit him. He got stoned. And some of you are like, well, at least he got some relief, right? No, no, not like that, not recreationally. People literally took stones and tried to kill him, throwing stones at him to crush his body. But through all that, he tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. Paul chose joy. At one point, they try locking him up for sharing his faith. And he's like, oh, all right, go ahead. Now all these guards are getting chained to me. And because you locked me up for my faith, I've told the whole palace guard about Jesus. Another point, they're like, we're going to kill you for your faith. He's like, well, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I guess it's time. I'm going to see Jesus. I've been kind of longing for that for a long time. What can you even do to a guy like that? Nothing, nothing. He chose joy. And last week, Steph gave us the secret to his joy it comes out of Philippians 4. And if we look and say, how can somebody be that joyful and that content no matter what situation? It's because Paul lived a pray-first life. If you missed it, you can catch it on the podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook, all over the place. Go back and watch that. But today we're continuing it. And it's probably the least fun topic in this series. So bear with us. Next week will be more fun. But today we're going to get into something that some of you might not like. We may push some buttons. But we're only doing it because we love you and God loves you and he wants the best for you. See, many of you don't experience joy because you're carrying too much around. You have too much weight on your shoulders because you are carrying your sin with you, your shame with you, your mistakes and your guilt. And it is loading you down and pushing you down. See, I I first came to Christ when I was 13 years old. But there was a six-month period before I made a decision for Christ. I was attending church, but I had not accepted Christ. And I quickly realized I was in that situation. I knew if I were to die, I would spend eternity in hell. And it started weighing on me. And what was weighing on me was the idea of what if all these church people find out I'm really a fake? What if they find out I'm not who I'm acting like I am? And it weighed me down. Maybe you have stuff weighing you down. And it's not like, what if the church people find out I'm not saved? What if it's like an area of your life that you don't want people to find out? And it is stealing your joy and weighing you down. Maybe it's, what if my wife finds out what I look at on the internet? What if my employer finds out that most mornings when I show up, I'm still over the legal limit from the night before What if my parents find out that I haven't actually even signed into my online classes in about a month? And that stuff's stealing your joy and weighing you down. Sin steals your joy. It steals your joy. We usually have this backwards in our minds. 
I don't know how many people I've talked to as I've tried sharing the gospel with them. They go, well, I'll get right with God when I've lived my life. I'll get right with God when I live my life. And they, they miss this. The, the devil is a taker. The devil is a taker. Jesus, one of the things he calls the devil is a thief. Because he steals your joy. He steals it. John 10.10 says that thief, that's the devil, that's Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, I, that's Jesus, I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. This is one of my favorite verses. But people often get this backwards and they think God is the taker. If I come to God, he's going to take my fun, he's going to take my pleasures, he's going to take all these things from me. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, the devil is the taker. He wants to steal your joy, he wants to kill your dreams, and he wants to destroy your life if you let him. God is the adder. He wants you to have a life and life abundantly. Right now, in the chat, just, just declare, God, give me some joy. I need some joy in my life. God, add joy. So just type, God, give me joy. Many, many people like me believe the Christian life was going to be a boring life. As a young Christian, I even, I even thought that after coming to Christ. There was this church about 10 years ago. They put out these terrible but hilarious YouTube videos that just break down some of our false thoughts of who Jesus was and what misconceptions we have about the church. Maybe this will resonate with you. Hello. Welcome to the first Christian church meeting. Here are the rules. Rule number one, spend all of your free time in church. Rule number two, you're not allowed to have any fun unless you're laughing at how dumb the devil is. Rule number three, wear t-shirts with my face on it. Rule number four, always smile and act happy. And finally, wear a stylish beard like mine. Lonnie! Jesus! Ah! No one told me about this man! And nice try, sissy! You said I could be a Christian if I gave up all my fun and grew this beard! Look at my beard! Well, I heard that you missed the prayer meeting for a silly game. But I had tickets to the Super Bowl, Jesus! That was incredible! Lizzie Lights drove down and kicked the field goal and the ref said it's good! Be quiet. No, mm, well, football! No. I love Yeah, I can't believe my dad showed up. How embarrassing. Oh crap, my thick beard fell off. They're totally gonna kick me out. Er, uh, wait. Is, what's he saying? We're all going to play football or something? Yeah, football. Yeah. Alright, stop. Stop crying. Rise. You can be a Christian if you promise to burn all of your footballs and never miss church again. Promise? Yeah, oh boy. You think you give your life to Christ and all of a sudden all your fun is gone. Your football's gone. No more Eagles uh, who only beat the Giants this year. Uh, and that's not saying much. No, no more of that. Maybe you think like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be stuck going to heaven someday and I'm just going to be wearing a white robe, playing a harp for all of eternity, that doesn't actually sound that good. And I would agree with you. Playing a harp and wearing a white robe for all of eternity does not sound like heaven to me. It sounds like hell. But Jesus came that we can have life. It says life and life abundantly. He came so that 
we know here on earth we can live the best life possible, but also understanding that we have the promise of heaven, of paradise someday. But you need to understand that maintaining right now, maintaining the scenarios in your life that are weighing you down requires a lot of work, and it will destroy you. Psalm 32 starts out, it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered over. I want you to see that word blessed. The word blessed there is, is just the word happy. That, like, you can, whenever you see blessed in scripture, you can read happy instead. Happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. You want to know how to have joy in your life? It starts with having your sins forgiven. It continues, blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and in whom, in, in whose spirit is no deceit. You you know what that's saying? Happy is the one who's not trying to hide anything. But the opposite is also true. Unhappy is the one who's constantly worried about people finding out the stuff they're hiding. Continues in verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. In other words, I tried hiding. I tried it. I tried it. And inside it was tearing me apart. Inside it was wrecking me. Then goes on, for day and night your hand was heavy on me, your strength, or my strength was sapped, as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquities. So the result of just trying to hide it away, of trying to keep people from finding out, of trying to keep it inside, was having no more strength, saying, I just don't have anything left to give. But then the psalmist acknowledges the Lord, and let's look at the results. It says, continues, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave my guilt of my sins. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the ones who trust in him. God's love. He is with you. He loved you even before you had an idea. He loved you. His unfailing love is with you even when you made the worst mistakes of your life. And his unfailing love is waiting for the day you call out to him saying, you know what? I'm tired of carrying this load. Take it off of me. Now the last verse in this says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. See, once you deal with your stuff, once you deal with the stuff that's weighing you down, all of a sudden you can Rejoice. You can live a life of joy. You can sing. You can be glad. You can dance. But sin, sin kills our lives. It doesn't just affect you. A lot of us think that our, the sin areas in my life are just affecting me, and it's not true. It leaches out and affects everyone around you more than you think. It's affecting your schoolwork. It's affecting your life. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting your work. It's affecting your family. It's affecting your kids. A lot of times, we think it's not. We think we have it under wraps but it's making a bigger impact than we realize. Psalm 73 says, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terror? And I don't know if people are going to be upset with me saying this, but I hate this verse. I hate it. You know why? Because as a pastor, I have watched it happen way too many times. I've seen too many people who look great on the outside. They put on their church clothes, and they come in, and they play the part, and they look awesome, and they know all the right things to say, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they crumble apart their lives, their marriage, their family, everything destroyed, because it was all built on lies and being fake, and they never actually dealt with the root 
things that were destroying them on the inside. And I told you that there were six months where I was part of the church, but I wasn't actually a Christian. Let me tell you the rest of that story. The one day I got invited to a youth conference and I went on this conference. And while I was there, the speaker starts talking about God's love and his grace and his forgiveness, him offering us a free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ if we will accept it, where the weight of our sin is removed from us. And while he spoke, as he was closing up, he said, tonight I'm going to say, if you are ready to receive Christ, to come to the front. And I didn't even wait for him to finish his invitation. I'm in the middle of a row with students on either side, like all of my friends on either side of me. And I start crawling across their knees to get out of the row with thousands of people around me to get to the front because I knew I couldn't carry the weight on my own anymore. And I gave my life to Christ. And to be honest, as I walk back to my seat, all of a sudden Satan starts whispering in my ear, Nobody's going to like you anymore. They all just found out you were a fake. They all just found out you weren't real. And those thoughts and that fear started coming back that held me back from taking the steps into Christ. And you know what God did? By his awesome grace, I got back with my group. And one of the leaders who was with me looked at me and he smiled and said, DJ, I have been praying for you for this day for a really long time. He already knew. I was worried they were going to find out. I was a fake. They already knew I was a fake. It was already obvious. But God's grace led them to make sure I knew that. Today, that leader is actually on the board of CityWell helping oversee this church get going. I'm so thankful, though, that I, I made that decision to say, you know what? The pressure is too much. I'm going to give it to God before the pressure of my sin was too much, and it destroyed my life. And that decision is up to you also. Because sin is going to destroy your identity. Psalm, 80, Psalm 38 says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Anybody feeling that? I'm bowed down and brought low. When you're letting that thing, that crutch, that medication, that guilty pleasure drive your life, it starts making you believe that is who you are. You start thinking, well, my dad was an alcoholic, my granddad was an alcoholic, my great-granddad is an alcoholic, so I'm just an alcoholic. That's who I am, and that is not true. That is not who you are. It may be what you've done, but it's not who you are. The devil wants you to believe that you are what you've done, but that is not your identity. Right now in the chat, I want you to write down, I am not my mistakes. I am not my mistakes. But if you believe you are, it's going to steal all your joy. I love Chris Hodges, uh, who's a pastor of Church of the Highlands, contributed a lot of the resources for this message. He said, you cannot Sorry, we cannot, I can't read at this point. We cannot be guilty and happy at the same time. I got it now. It was down there for you to read the whole time. We cannot be guilty and happy at the same time. We have a daily choice. Acts 3, 19 and 20 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshing. Who wants some times of refreshing right now? Times of refreshing will come from the presence of God of the Lord. That word repent that it starts with, it just means to change your directions. I'm, I'm facing my sin, my mistakes, my failures. I'm trying to do it on my own. Repenting is turning and saying, God, I'm going to take these things and I'm going to set them on you and let you do the work to remove them. It's turning from your sin and turning to God. Psalm 31 says, what joy when our sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sins to God and has a clear, and has cleared their record. So you want joy? You want to choose joy? 
One of the parts of that is making the daily choice to live a life of purity. For the sake of time today, you know what? There's a whole lot more in this message. I want to walk out. How do I do that? And we don't have time. But here's what we're going to do. This week, we're going to put out some three to five minute videos throughout the week walking through Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was David when he sinned against Bathsheba. I mentioned it and encouraged you guys to read it a few weeks ago. But David makes four big declarations in that passage. He says, wash me, cleanse me, create in me, restore me. Wash me, cleanse me, create in me, restore me. And he, he helps us figure out what's it look like to walk out purity. But today, if you hear nothing else, I want you to understand to live in joy, part of it is making the daily choice to live in purity. Now, I spoke earlier about how I went a while where I knew I was not saved. I knew I was far from God. I knew if I were to die and stand before God that day, I would receive the punishment for my sins. Maybe you're in the same place right now, but that does not need to be the case. For me, I heard about Jesus' love and his grace, how he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, and all I had to do was accept him as my Savior. My sin was removed and the weight was lifted, and I could walk in freedom in him. And I, I told you I crawled across people's laps to get to it. Today, I'm not going to ask you to crawl across anybody's laps, and maybe you're watching at home in the living room, and it'd be really hard for you to even find anybody's laps to crawl across. You don't need to do that. Scripture says you just you need to confess in your heart or confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Right now, what I want you to do, if you say, Jesus, I'm in. Jesus, I'm going to take this weight off of me, and I'm going to place it on you. Thank, for, thank, thank you for taking it. Just, just right now, I'm going to lead you in a, in a prayer. And I want you to pray in the quiet of your heart after me. Jesus, I've been doing it on my own for far too long. And I'm tired. So I'm placing the weight of my sins, of my mistakes, of my failures on your shoulders. Thank you of dying in my place for my sins and offering me a new life in you. Help me today to live a life of joy. We pray this in your name. Amen.